Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT podcast. Padres EVT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today? Uh, trying to stay cool, trying to beat the heat. It's been a pretty rough week. Uh, yeah, yeah, you seriously. know that. <laughs> yeah, us native San Diegans are, are huge babies when it comes to to heat or cold or anything that isn't seventy to seventy five degrees, and we definitely have uh, room to complain this week with uh, triple digit temperatures. Uh, how bad was it up in North County? I'm hitting. Were you hitting triple digits as well, Patrick? Yeah, upper nineties, like one hundred two. I think was the high where I'm at. Yeah, the, the worst part is is just the the sinus issues that 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 come oh, yeah. with this and that I've been dealing with. And it's just, uh, all right, enough, enough, enough of us, uh, bitching and complaining, uh, about the weather and our issues. Uh, major league baseball is wrapping up and the world series is currently tied one game apiece as the Houston Astros and Los Angeles Dodgers battled it out last night in a very, very entertaining game, uh, setting a, a, I guess that's a rec- world series record for home runs in a game. Uh, and, what six out of the eight were hitting the eighth inning and beyond, or something like? That. I mean, it was it was a crazy game. Uh, give me your reaction. Uh, I know that we're both uh, rooting for the Astros, obviously. Uh, it's just I think it's the most important thing is that the, a game like last night is very very important for the future of Major League Baseball. It, it was a, a entertaining game, and despite the fact that it was a four-hour-plus game, I don't think anyone can complain because it, it was just back and forth, and, and, and that is, uh, I think a game like last night exemplifies why both of us love Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think regardless of who you're rooting for or who you really want to win, I think that was one of those games that really shows you um, what Major League Baseball is all about and the kind of popularity it can have. Um, I think... Just seeing Twitter last night, how many people were talking about it, and it was all over like all sorts of news this morning as well. It's just one of those games that you're gonna remember for a while. And yeah, I, I only caught the last I think three innings. I, I came out in the ninth. I got home from work, and I watched Jansen give give up the home run, and I watched the last two innings where what I think there was like five home runs hit in extra yeah. innings. So pretty crazy game. Um, I've been meaning to watch the rest of the game. I need to catch up and probably do that tonight or maybe tomorrow. But, yeah, definitely, from what I saw, a wild game and definitely good for baseball, as you said. Yeah, no, that's what it's all about at this point. I think uh, a lot of us were definitely excited to see the Astros in there. Um, and a lot of Padre fans are kind of pointing to the Astros as a a role model of sorts of, of what the Padres are trying to accomplish as far as building within and stuff. and. It's good for the game of baseball for uh, a smaller market team like that who 
basically did construct their whole team through the draft and, and through you know careful selections here and there and, and trades here and there. But it's a great role model for the Padres to follow. Uh, yet we'll have to see whether or not they can uh, attain the success that the Astros have uh, reached so far. Yeah, that's definitely the hope, although that's kind of a tough ceiling to reach. I mean, I think Houston's like a best-case scenario of how everything works out. And when you look at it, a lot of the guys they did get that have kind of pushed this run are guys they traded for. So it just goes to show you need a deep farm system, and that's kind of what the Potters are building. So those guys that are excess, you got the guys you don't need, um, necessarily those are the guys you, you move for big-time trade piece. I mean, look, they got Justin Verlander. They got Brian McCann. They signed Reddick, they signed Beltran. So now all these guys are homegrown players. I mean, sure, you got Altuve and Correa, the big two, uh, Springer on top of that. Keichel is a, a great player uh, development success story. But at the end of the day, they did make those big moves, and they did spend some money. So it goes to show that there's no one-size-fits-all fits uh, to build a winning club. No, definitely. And you, you said it right. They did spend money, and I think the, the, time, the timing on that has to be right. You have to do that when your team's... Uh, just about to succeed and just about to reach that pinnacle level. And, and obviously they did that. They've done it successfully, and, and you have to tip your cap to them. Um, they they are a team that's built for the long haul. You know, quite frankly, both these teams are. So it's a, it's a little frightening uh, being a Padre fan and, and seeing a team like uh, the Astros or the uh, Dodgers or the Yankees, for that matter, that are built uh, for the long run. So it's going to be an interesting uh, couple years for the Padres uh, as we begin to progress and, and get better. But uh, things are definitely looking up. Uh, we are excited to talk to AJ Casabell, uh, the Padres beat writer for MLB.com. will be joining us shortly, and we'll get an opportunity to pick his brain about the 2017 season and uh, possibly some offseason moves this winter. Yeah, it's going to be nice to talk to AJ, kind of wrap up the season one more time and kind of look forward to what's going to happen this offseason and moving forward into 2018 and beyond. Yeah, I mean, AJ doesn't have a crystal ball like uh, – you know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly what T thinks this team will do for the future. Uh, so join us. Uh, we'll take a short break, and we will be back uh, with AJ Casavell of MLB.com. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we are excited that AJ Casavell of MLB.com, uh, the beat reporter for the Padres, is joining us uh, today. AJ, how are you doing today? Great. Getting to enjoy the offseason, kind of taking the World Series a little bit as a, as a fan from my couch. So uh, everything's good right now, and um, I'm ready to get into Padres free agency next week. Yeah. no, It, it must be awkward for you, different for me. I know you did a lot of the playoffs, uh, a couple of the series for the playoffs. Uh, it must be strange for you to be able to have the opportunity to sit down and, and kind of enjoy the game from the comfort of your couch. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it it's kind of one of those reminders why it's so awesome because I, I think uh it's it's definitely different I, I covered the the nlcs and the nlds that was uh dodgers diamondbacks and don't mm-hmm. get me wrong i enjoy the heck out of those i mean the, the atmosphere at wrigley field for games three four and five was incredible but the thing is I'm, I'm working the whole time so i don't really get to like fully grasp that enjoyment until i file my last story and then i can kind of exhale and say whoa that was pretty cool whereas mm-hmm. kind of from from my own couch, I get to watch the game, soak it all in, uh, think, kind of think through the strategy, just just w- without any inhibitions from from anything else. So it's it's cool, I'm, I'm, and it certainly helps that I think this should be and kind of already is one of the better World Series we've seen in, in the past few years. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it. 
Definitely. Well, let, let's talk about game two yesterday. I mean, that was it's going to be an iconic game, a game that uh, I think people are going to be going back to and, and reflecting as one of the uh, best games in World Series history. Patrick and I were, were discussing it be, uh, before we brought you on that uh, a game like that is, is just excellent for Major League Baseball. It, it, it gives uh, the average fan an idea to see how exciting the game or potentially exciting the game can be and, and just back and forth and um, give me a reflection on, on yesterday's game. I, you know, obviously Patrick and I are, are rooting for the Astros, uh, being Padre fans. Um, but give me your thoughts on uh, yesterday's game too. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with the with the great for baseball thing. It's Wednesday night. There's not a whole lot else going on in the sports world. I had I had friends who are only casual baseball fans at best texting me about how great the game was and how much they were enjoying it. It, it, it was oh. it was awesome for the sport and it was awesome how. How how much action there was when it got down to crunch time? I mean, that's that's obviously that's obviously not something you see every day. I think it was five home runs and extra innings. Uh, it was pretty crazy. I think uh, from a from a from an entertainment standpoint, it was as good as it gets in terms of just weirdness. There was a lot of weird stuff that happened. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean, also from like if if you're a casual fan, you can enjoy it. But if you're a diehard baseball fan, you can enjoy it too. There was a lot of there was a lot of thinking and strategy going into that game, and you know what? I've covered, I covered Dave Roberts for the first two rounds. I don't think he put a foot wrong. I think last night there were a couple questionable things he did, uh, maybe for the first time all postseason. But mm-hmm. I still think he might have been getting a little too much heat for for last night for not being prepared for the tenth. I mean, ultimately the ball was in Kenley Jansen's hands with a chance to win the game. So, um, but I mean, that, the game yesterday had everything. It had wacky plays in the field, balls hitting the umpire, uh, and home runs and extra innings. I mean, I don't know what more you could ask for out of a baseball game. No, and, and, you know, you said perfectly that, you know, a a novice fan, someone who doesn't exactly even care about the game of baseball found entertainment in that and that's that's what uh that's what we need the, the sport needs to to broaden its horizons and though it was a four-hour game it didn't seem like that it was entertaining if not more entertaining than than game one which was a two and a half hour game so you know I, i'm i love the game of baseball and i don't mind spending an extra hour and a half there if, if the entertainment factor is that high and yesterday's game was definitely uh like I say, something that, that we're going to be talking about for generations. It's a, it was a back and forth game, and uh, in the end, it could have gone either way at, at any point. And it's it's that's what the game of baseball is about. And it, uh, it was a, a just a excellent moment for for baseball fans. Um, let's move on to the Padres. The 2017 season is wrapped. Uh, the team finished 71 and 91. Uh, Overachieved a little bit, I guess, uh, from what the uh, experts, our so-called experts, had predicted before the season. Uh, give me your thoughts on the season. Uh, I know it's difficult to, to kind of put that into a couple of sentences or, or, or uh, describe the feeling that uh, went through the Padres. You know, it, it's it's difficult to talk about this team because they had a sense of, of developing young talent and wanting to get better. But at the same time, the, the talk, uh, the tank talk was kind of uh, overshadowing a, a lot of people. I know that's not something that's kind of taboo to talk about in the locker room or, or in and around the team. But, you know, in the end, it was a matter of three or four picks that, that separated them from a top three pick. So give me your thoughts on the team and, you know, maybe a little bit on, on the tank talk, if you will. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that uh, you need to take into consideration with, with the team when looking back at the 2017 season is is – I think a lot of people had them at around 62, 63 wins at the start of the year. There's just there was just too much. Ultimately, there was just too many young guys who, who really enjoyed 
being at the major league level where you might not necessarily get that in every clubhouse to the point where when it got to August and September, they didn't fade. And ultimately, I think I, I, I thought all season when the Padres got down to the, the last month of the year, uh, their schedule was brutal. They had so many division games and arguably the best division in baseball that that's when you'd kind of see the record fall off and you maybe see them shoot up the draft pick uh, list. And there were a couple times where it seemed like that was about to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. And and ultimately, I think just a lot of young players outperformed outperformed expectations down the stretch. Uh, Carlos Esquahe, Jose Perella, I think was was better than the Padres could have envisioned. Um, and so it was it was obviously from the start it was a year for development. Um, and in a year for development, I don't think the organization would would have been too disappointed with a with a lower with a with a higher draft pick. Uh, considering considering it wasn't necessarily a, a playoff push from the start. But internally, I think the Padres are pleased with some of the strides made by some of the younger players. At the same time, it definitely wasn't it wasn't as though Margot, Hedges, uh, Renfro, Suahe all came up and were superstars. There's, there's a lot of progress that needs to be made. So with that being said, um, how do you judge Andy Green in his second season in San Diego? I mean... I think that you can at least give some credit to that success, uh, to how he managed the team and kind of how he built those relationships in the clubhouse. So what are your thoughts on Andy Green and kind of what grade would you give him in season two? Uh, I think I'd give him a, I think I'd give him a B plus for the season. He did, he did a really good job working with a lot of the young players and keeping them, uh, just, just keeping the vibe in the clubhouse happy. The one thing I'll say about Andy Green, though, is there's nothing we can make any judgments. He, the, the jury's still out on him as a manager. Mm-hmm. He needs to kind of prove what he can do in in situations that 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 mean something strategically. Um, right, right now, I mean, his bullpen usage is mostly predicated on saving guys' arms, saving some health. But if you get if if you're in a pennant race, all of a sudden you need to you maybe need to push some guys a little farther. So we don't know. We don't know how Andy Green is as a manager yet in terms of a, a playoff caliber guy at the helm. But what I will say is I think he's a fantastic guy for for a club that's that's rebuilding from the ground up. I think he keeps his he keeps his players uh, engaged. He keeps them motivated. Uh, he the, the the clubhouse universally has respect for him. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think it was the day he signed his extension. Um, that was kind of news to, to some of the players. It happened early Sunday morning, and I think uh, the, the announcement at least, and I think some of the players were kind of rolling into the park, uh, finding out about it at the same time uh, as we all were, and you could kind of see that they were actually genuinely excited to have him back. So um, I think for for what the Padres' purpose was in the first two seasons, Andy, does, has, Andy Green has done a very good job. Uh, it's, it's been kind of retooling, bringing up some of these young guys. The jury's still out as far as as far as what he can do in a in a in a playoff type situation. We might not even find out about that next year. But so far, with what he's been given, he's done a very good job. And uh, I think I think the record uh, is almost indicative of that. Even though it ultimately the difference between 60 wins and 71 wins, as far as an accomplishment standpoint, is is nothing. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a fair assessment. Um, so now with the season in the rearview mirror. Um, are there any guys you can think of that really stood out to you, maybe surprised you or disappointed you in any way uh, now that the season's done? Well, disappointment-wise, I think Will Myers comes to the top of the list. He was he was um, he led the team in home runs and stolen bases, but for what the Padres are paying him, he needs to do better, and he knows he needs to do better. I think his I think he was worth maybe 
one and a half wins above replacement. Uh, I, I think I think someone asked me what an ideal season would be would look like for Will Myers next year and going forward. Um, I think he's probably got to raise his OPS by fifty to one hundred points, and he's got to be much much better defensively and probably be worth around four wins. That's probably what his comp- contract stipulates. He doesn't. He's not going to be on the level of Joey Votto or Paul Goldschmidt. Those guys are all world players, but he can definitely be an above average National League first baseman. Um, and the tools are clearly there. We saw it. At, we saw it at various points during this season. Uh, in terms of surprises, I don't want to say Austin Hedges was a surprise because he, he didn't do a whole lot offensively, but he was. He, he really had no hiccups as a defensive catcher. He he already looked like a ten year veteran in terms of handling a pitching staff and, and playing defense. Uh, Carlos Asuaje and Jose Perella are are two surprises that jump into my mind right away. Um, I think uh, you you mentioned disappointments. Hunter Renfro, I don't I don't think we can qualify him as a, as a disappointment. It was his rookie season, but there's clearly work that still needs to be done in terms of honing his swing and honing his approach. Uh, so, uh, like like we were just talking about with Andy Green, I think the jury's still out on on Hunter Renfro. Yeah, now Renfro is uh, he's got a lot of growth to do, and it's you know it, I think you it's fair to say that he he needs time and uh, to assess him as a as a disappointment at this point is, is a little premature. Um, I'd love to go back to Myers. You have the opportunity to to see the man eye to eye, to talk to him uh, one-on-one from time to time in, in the clubhouse and, and surrounding areas. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. I've heard a lot of different people talking about, you know, he didn't put the, the aura that he cared that much. And, and you know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of, you know, I don't want to say negative things, but a lot of uh, things that are that are concerning to me about about his approach uh i'm hearing talk of off-season sports psychologist uh in his future uh you know he's still very young i think a lot of people had a, a natural expectations for him this year he definitely definitely didn't didn't have a productive year but uh give me your thoughts on him as far as what what you see from him potentially i i just i'm, I'm still enamored with the fact that He's just to me. He can still blossom at any time, and I'm waiting for it. But I, I just want to talk to someone who has the opportunity to, to get to know him, or, or has the opportunity to talk to him on a day to day basis. Yeah, I think that that effort narrative kind of—I I don't know where that came from. Will, Will Myers puts in—he puts in the effort. I know there's there's a couple uh, long singles he hit that maybe drove yeah. that narrative. Those, I mean, that that more than anything, that that was to me from what I saw. It, it just seemed like a really bad habit. It just seemed like a guy who, who like, he knows he needs to run out of the box, but in that split second, he thinks he hit a home run and he and he, he screws up. That seemed like a really bad habit to me more than anything. I will say, um, in, in terms of, I, I I'm on board with you in, in terms of the talent he has. Uh, the, he he tw- he tinkered with his swing a lot this season. It seemed like every every time he he. He put forth a big game and seemed to be breaking out of his slump. We'd go talk to him and he'd tell us about his most recent swing tweak, which I'm not. I, I'm not around all these hitters all the time. I imagine hitters are tinkering with their swings all the time. But Will Myers was telling us about about how often he he was work, he was tinkering with his swing. He wasn't doing that a year ago, and and so I wonder. I just wonder mm. if maybe it almost the struggles almost got to him a little too much instead of relying on 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 the process and the and and kind of, I guess, building on one foundation. He was too eager to, to change things, uh, and that almost that almost hurt his progression. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's certainly not for a lack of effort, um, but, I, I, but I do wonder if, if seeing a sports psychologist could help him. 
Yeah, no, I, I always get that sense from him that he's almost trying too hard. You know, playing the game of baseball is is something where you got to be even keel. You got to be too can't be too low, can't be too high. And if you're trying too much, you know, you're going to get negative returns from that. And I always get that feeling from him that he's just he's trying to justify that contract. And you know, perhaps 2018 he'll settle down a little bit more and become more semblance with his swing and just find that 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 constant swing and stride that, that we need to see from him. And, and, you know, hopefully the numbers will, will increase. I think it's, yeah. it's tough. Patrick is, is, is all over Will Myers in our podcast and rightfully so, because he, he, he had a disappointing season defensively. He mm-hmm. was also, you know, below average and was a surprise being that we, you know, 2017, he was, he was all over the place defensively. He was making picks left and right, you know, and, and, being a in in the talk for for you know all star and for gold glove caliber first baseman and this season was just a you know it is what it is um, yeah I, I don't know I, if I've ever seen someone have that kind of that kind of drop off that wasn't due to age defensively and and yeah, I don't know yeah. I don't know if Will Myers can even pinpoint what it was but he certainly wasn't as I, he wasn't as quick reaction time wise and I don't know I don't know what that comes down to it was he it just seemed like every first step he took was a little slow defensively and so. Clearly, I mean, I watched him in all, all of 2016, and he was he was a, he was an excellent defensive first baseman. And this year, he was well below average. And so, I don't I don't know if I've ever seen that kind of drop off that wasn't attributed to age. So it's it's certainly head scratching. Yeah, it is. I'm I don't know, Patrick. Give us your thoughts on Myers. I, I think uh, AJ would love to hear your your critique of Myers. Yes. My rambling critique. Um, <laughs> rambling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I've said just about all I can say about Will Myers, but definitely a disappointing year. Um, offense took a step back. Sure, you like the home runs, but the batting average fell. On-base percentage fell. Um, his productivity as a hitter overall was down. Um, defense was, as you guys mentioned, kind of a, an enigma. Like, there's really no explanation for why he was so poor. So I'm not really ready to sell him out completely yet and say he's not going to ever be good again but I'm definitely lowering expectations but I think if he can come out next year and, and be a more productive hitter and play some defense and, and be a 3 or 4 win player I think that's definitely a win and if he settles in as a 3 or 4 win pl- player I'm totally fine with that I know the contract is going to get big uh, come the next few years but at the end of the day um, I think a 3 or 4 win player is, is a productive player and that's kind of what I think you want out of Will Myers especially given how poor he played Poor Lee, he played in 2017. Yeah, the contract the, the contract the Padres signed him to was not a like I mentioned Joey Votto and Paul Goldschmidt earlier. It wasn't that kind of contract. It was yeah. a contract for probably three, four wins a season. I don't, I, I, I haven't done the math on like how much value is in 83 million dollars, but I, if I had to guess, it would be maybe four wins a season. So they want Myers to be a, a good to very good first baseman, but they certainly didn't pay him like an elite first baseman. And I think if he is that player that could be useful to the Padres going forward, provided the other pieces fall into place. Yeah. I mean, I think the valuation is like seven or 8 million per war. So if you think of like a four yeah, or five, free win, agency. So yeah. Yeah. So, so what would that like, end up being? So yeah, four or five win players should be theoretically worth like 25, 30 million, but obviously it doesn't always happen. So I think at 20 million, I think people think of 20 million as a big number, but in this day and age, it's not really as big of a number as it used to be. I mean, you look at some of these pitchers like Kershaw price making over 30 million a year, Granky as well. So, I think twenty million is not a not necessarily a bad number, especially like you said when guys like Joey Votto are making even more, and those are obviously better players, and that's totally fair. But I think if Myers settles into that three four above average kind of player, maybe borderline all star, I think 
that that's a good place to be. I mean, he's never going to be like an elite uh, MVP caliber talent, and at least doesn't seem like that at this point. But anything can certainly happen. Yeah, I think he could be. I think he could be. He he could be an All Star caliber first baseman, and we saw it. We saw that last year. But it's there's there's question marks, and it's you know what? Every year it's a big year for every player. Mm-hmm. But doesn't it doesn't it feel like this next season is a little more? Seems like seems like it's a pretty big deal for Will Myers more so than I, I hate saying it's a big year for him because there's not one player out there who doesn't view 2018 as a big year, but it, it feels like maybe a little more so for Will Myers. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a big make-or-break year for his place on the roster. I mean, I don't think they're necessarily going to trade him, but if he goes out and has another poor year, I don't think he's really going to have the same place on the team as maybe he did. I mean, they really thought this guy was like a franchise star. They signed him that big contract. They made a big show of treating him like that kind of player, and if he can't produce like that, then he's probably going to take a back seat, especially when guys like Tatis come up, and that's a guy who you really think could be a superstar and a guy to build around. I think Myers, and that's totally fine. I mean, Myers, if he can be a three or four win player, that's a definitely, definitely a productive player that can be a, a ancillary piece. I mean, he's not going to be the main piece of a world series champion. I mean, he's not Clayton Kershaw. He's not Corey Seager. He's not that kind of player, but that's totally fine. If he's a step below that and he's an above average player, I think that's a good place for him to be going forward. Yeah, certainly. All right, James, I think we should uh, move on from Will Myers here. Um, let's, talk, yeah. let's talk pitching staff. I mean, going into next season, as it's been for probably the past two seasons, it's kind of up in the air. I mean, who's the ace? Who's going to be signed in the offseason? Are, are they going to bring back uh, – I mean, they've already brought back Rich. Are they going to bring back Chasin or maybe even Trevor Cahill? I know, know they traded him away. He had some struggles in uh, Kansas City. What direction do you think they go in, and uh, kind of who do you see settling in at the top of the rotation for next year? I think I would I would put – they haven't given spots to Lament and Perdomo yet, but I would put them in the rotation. That seems that seems reasonable. Um, the why 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 build a team that you say is is trying that is seeking development and leave those guys off the roster? Um, and Richard will be in there too. I think th- they have a number of guys who are who are coming back from injury. Colin Ray, Robbie Erlin, uh, Matt Strom's an interesting guy. Um, but I don't think you can you can go into the season hoping that one of those two guys that that those guys will take one of the two spots that any of those guys have a have a spot locked up. So I say you go into the go into the offseason looking for two more starting pitchers, two more viable major league starting pitchers at at the bare minimum. And I think uh, they'd love for Chassin to be one of them. Uh, I haven't done too much digging into into who some other candidates are uh, off the top of my head. I know uh, I believe Hellickson's available, Fister um, like you said, Al- Trevor Cahill, Alex there's, Cobb, there's... but that might be a little more expensive. Cobb, Cobb seems like a little like like that would be a little too much for, for mm-hmm. the Padres' liking. But mm-hmm. I, I haven't looked I haven't looked too much into who they might sign starting pitching wise. I honestly might be surprised if it's if it's multiple years, like say th- even three years, uh, just given that they have such a wealth of arms in Double A that they're so high on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you go into the off season looking for. A guy like pretty much exactly a Jolie's Chassin, and then maybe a replica of Jolie's Chassin. Someone who you can bring in, who has potential to 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 be very good, uh, but with some question marks, and someone who maybe you could flip at the trade deadline, and maybe if the if anyone in the Double A rotation uh, cracks the big league roster by the end of the season, they could they'll they could uh, maybe take that spot. So I don't think you go into the offseason looking for a starting pitcher of the future. 
Uh, it's not the Padres aren't there in their progression yet, uh, but I think you try and fill in around those three guys that I mentioned, and then after and you you can't go into the year expecting Colin Ray, Robbie Erlin, Matt Strom to take one of those rotation spots, but I think you are hopeful that maybe they seize one in spring training. Yeah, and then you throw in guys like Travis Wood, Tim Melville, Jordan Lyles, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even some minor leaguers, Kyle Lloyd, Walker Lockett, uh, maybe Michael mm-hmm. Kelly. Um, Joey Lucchese is a guy who very well could be up at some point next year. So, yeah, there's definitely a wealth of arms there. I mean, maybe not too many super inspiring arms, not really guys you're going to write home about. But at the end of the day, this this is a team still in transition, so it's really just about filling those innings and giving some of these guys yeah. some positive development time. Yeah. What do you yeah, think, James? No, I mean, it- you know, and before the season, none of us were really excited about Denelson Lament and look at how he progressed. So I think there's an opportunity for young guys to establish themselves and, and get to that next level. And it'll be exciting. In order for this Padre team to be successful down the road, they're going to need people like Lament, like a Perella, like a, a Swahi, somebody who come out of nowhere and, and establish themselves. And, you know, we'll just have to wait to see what happens in 2018. I mean, just look at the Dodgers. I mean, they've hit on Chris Taylor, Charlie Culberson, these guys that no one thought were worth anything at all, and now they're useful pieces to a playoff team and maybe even a World Series champion. So those are the kind of guys like Jose Perella and even Hunter Renfro is a guy like that. you got to just wait him out, give him a chance, and maybe he ends up being a late bloomer. So you got to just do that with development. you got to wait and see and how it works out. And even the Astros have guys like that. Marwin Gonzalez is a, a name that comes to mind as a guy who kind of has just been somewhat steady and kind of had a little bit of a breakout this year. So... There's never a linear path for player development, and I think it, the Padres have to be careful not to give up on guys that they did with maybe Anthony Rizzo. I know that's a, a sour subject, but that's one guy they gave up on, and he ended up being one of the better players in baseball. So there's times where you have to just be patient, and it's not always going to be easy. Yeah, no, definitely, especially when you're you're trying to establish or uh, trying to evaluate these players in, in their first taste of major league pitching and major league hitting. So, um, AJ, I'd love to hear if you've heard anything on the hitting coach. Um, I know Chili Davis was rumored. I believe he was hired by the Cubs this morning or this afternoon, or I heard something about that. Um, anything new on the hitting coach front for the Padres? Yeah, I haven't heard anything uh, since <laughs> since last week when I, I, I believe, and I'm not, I'll need to confirm this, it's not as of last week, the Padres had, had interviewed five candidates, Chili Davis being one of them. Um, mm-hmm. not sure who the other four were specifically. I know that at least two of the other four, whoever they were, were also interviewing for other jobs. Um, okay. And so I think, uh, I think what you've got is it'll come down to one of the guys that's already been interviewed. Um, maybe it's, it's just kind of a wait-and-see process for how, how, the, how the postseason plays out and how these other guys interviewing for other jobs kind of play out. But I, it's, it, it doesn't seem like, if I had to guess, it doesn't seem like we're too far off from an answer. Yeah, I, I would assume that uh, we should get an answer soon, just as they uh, establish their, their coaching staff. Barry um, Bonds, I have a... Barry Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was more of a, a circus type of uh, answer than anything. If, if they're looking for <laughs> PR and for seats, uh, butts to, sit, to fill the seats, I think Bonds is the answer, but I don't know if that's exactly the route they want to go. But Bonds um, and McGuire AJ... in the same dugout, though? <laughs> yeah, and hire Clements as a pitching advisor too. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good stuff. <laughs> um, AJ, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the left field job next season. I know it's pretty much wide open right now. Uh, Andy Green's indicated a little bit here and there that Perella's maybe is penciled in as the starter. Um, you see any movement uh, from maybe a Franchi Cordero or possibly Travis Jankowski being able to reestablish himself? Uh, 
I have a I have a hard time seeing the starting left field job going to Travis Jankowski. I think Cordero needs to prove a lot in spring training to get there. The interesting guy is Alex Dickerson here, how he recovers from okay. his back injury. I mean, he, cause he to me, in 2016, he was maybe the most professional hitter the Padres had. Um, to, right now, I think if, if you're looking at the outfield, it's it's probably Renfro, Margot. Then you have a Caesar Jankowski competition for uh, for the backup center field job. Uh, Perella's in Perella's on the opening day roster, not guaranteed necessarily a starting job, and that leaves one other outfield spot open for potential left field. So it could be Alex Dickerson, it could be Cordero, it could be the loser of that Caesar Jankowski backup center field battle. But that's that's kind of the way I break down the outfield going into spring training. I yeah, don't think they bring someone else in. Yeah, and, and well, who knows? I'm sure AJ will, will throw out some veterans out there and give much spring training invite. So mm-hmm. the game mm-hmm. of base, the game of baseball is crazy. You know, someone could hit 600 in spring and, and and make the team. So you never you never really know. Um, a couple more questions, and then and then we'll let you get out of here. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts uh, on the trade uh, trade rumors, the trade the talk that's about to heat up in the next couple weeks. Uh, I know Brad Hand and Jan Harris Salarte will probably be. The two uh, that are focused, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about the two of them as, as potentially being moved. Uh, any gut instinct on what the Padres will be looking for and who they potentially will move? I think there's a probably better than 50% chance Brad Hand gets moved. And the interesting thing is that the, at the trade deadline, we were, we were wondering, like, could his trade value get any higher than it is now? Why don't they just trade him now? Well, I mean, it, it didn't get any lower, I don't think. He, he was excellent in the second half, and relief pitching in the playoffs has been super important. So there, there's definitely going to be teams that come calling. Granted, there's now one there's, there's one less. You, you get Brad Hand for one fewer playoff push because, because the Padres waited a, a half a season to trade him. But I still think his value will be high, and they'll be looking for a top prospect. Not, not a second-tier prospect, but a top kind of guy. Um, for him, the Solarte, Solarte you're obviously not going to get as much. Uh, I, I think there's just there's just too much of a logjam at second and third base, and the Padres do need to trade one of those guys. Solarte being the the versatile one, being the more experienced one, team friendly contract. He just seems like the right the right the, the the most likely guy to deal. But then again, if you get a call on on a Suahe or Spangenberg, and it, and the, the the trade seems to benefit the Padres. Uh, I would not be shocked to see AJ Preller pull that kind of a deal too. So they're going to get calls on all three of those guys, I'd bet. But I think Solarte is the likeliest candidate to be moved. Yeah, I totally agree that at least one of those guys has to move, especially when you have someone like Swahe kind of pushing his way in there, and then you got Christian mm-hmm. Villanueva who's now sort of pushed his way in there as well. I think he's an interesting guy to watch next year. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. I want just one name, a guy you think can have a breakout caliber year, um, a la Jose Perella this year. Next season, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if this answer is a la Jose Perella, but I would not be surprised to I would not at all be surprised to see Joey Lucchese come up in the second half and in the second half of next season and and be decent for a rookie at least or for for a guy who's debuting. And so I I, I could sir I could see Jose or not Jose Perella I could see uh, Joey Lucchese making his debut late next season and and looking pretty good doing so I think in the, in the Jose Perella mold more I would go I would lean uh, Phil Maton I think his numbers his numbers don't do justice to the stuff he has and I think the experience he got this season could help him next year I would expect him to make a to make a significant jump next year definitely uh, two good names to watch um, my last question for you is uh, 
shortstop? Uh, what direction do you think they go? <laughs> oh, in? You think Ibar comes back? <laughs> it wouldn't be a Padres offseason without <laughs> yeah, the shortstop really. question. <laughs> I think the likeliest the likeliest option is Ibar comes back. They're not gonna they're not necessarily gonna look for a guy a, a, a shortstop of the future type. Now they they if if a trade arises where they're not giving up a whole lot to get a guy with with upside, I wouldn't be surprised. But they are. And they when they should be, but they are very high on Fernando Tatis, and I think and and they view him as a shortstop, as the shortstop of the future. Uh, with a, and there's a couple other options in the system where the Padres, more than anything, I would guess, are looking for a stopgap kind of guy. Another another name to watch might be uh, Alcides Escobar. He kind of seems to fit the mold. But uh, this year, this year yeah. kind of seems a little bit different than it has the last two years, doesn't it? With with Tatis kind of looming because yeah. the last couple of years it was a stopgap option. And it was almost a disappointment. This year, a stopgap option kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, they are definitely, rightfully so, high on Tatis, and it, it's just a matter of time before he's able to to get here. And he looks like he's going to be productive in, in in every facet of the game. It's it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, Padres have had have never had a prospect like this, or at least not in the last twenty thirty years that. Uh, is getting this type of hype, so it's 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 wonderful to see that. Um, my last question for you, AJ, would be: uh, so we've already talked about Brad Hand uh, potentially being dealt uh, or likely being dealt. Uh, who closes for the Padres? Is uh, Phil Maton going to be given that role, or will they maybe uh, give it to Yates, a, a more uh, established uh, veteran pitcher? If Brad Hand's dealt, I would I would guess the Padres will sign at least one other. Uh, kind of veteran type reliever might not okay. be a closer if it's not a closer type I would say Yates starts the season as a closer I think Phil Maton has potential to be the Padres closer of the future but they're not going to hand that to him I think more than anything they'd like to see him kind of earn his way into that role so they're not he's not just going to get it out of out of uh out of camp so yeah. I, I if I had to guess I would say uh Yates is the closer to start the season if Brad Hand's traded um but I would not be shocked if Phil Maton is the Padres' closer at the end of the 2018 season. Yeah, no, I think you you hit the nail on the head. They want to see progression from him, and they want to see him get that bulldog type attitude and and uh, and take over the role if if given the opportunity. Um, anything else that you'd like to discuss, or anything else we missed on AJ? Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking to us. Yeah, just a, just a few minutes removed from the Gold Glove announcements, I guess one of the, I would I would bring up that I think. Uh, Oh yeah, Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges maybe got he, he got robbed for at lo- for at least not being a finalist. I think he was one of the three best defensive catchers in the National League, and it's it's hard for me to dispute that. That said, I don't know if he wins it, but um, I think he got robbed a little bit. Manny Margot's not among the finalists. I don't think he got robbed, but I think he had a small case. I could see him in the finalists next season. So, uh, two defensive guys to keep an eye on. The Padres were below average defensively, but I think both of those guys were. Uh, were, were in Hedge's case very good, very very good, and in Margot's case good with some room for improvement. Definitely. What what were the three catchers that were named ahead of Hedges or were the word? Uh, I can't remember. Yachty, I, Yachty, I, Yachty, I think course, it was right? Yachty and Posey. I think it was Yachty Posey and uh, Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart who had yeah. who had yeah he's got he's got a he's got an excellent arm but yeah the other the, the other things that Hedges Hedges is a great arm too and the other things he does like like framing and, and blocking balls in the dirt. I didn't get to watch Tucker Barnhart every day. I'd have to talk with some people, but I, I really, it's it's hard it's hard for me to see. I, and honestly, I think Hedges probably had a better defensive season than Buster Posey. But you know how these yeah. things go. A I lot of it comes down that. to name recognition. A lot of it comes down to offense, and it's unfortunate, but that's that's kind of the way it goes. Still, I think Hedges is Hedges has a Gold Glover three in him. 
Yeah, if I had to yeah, guess. The, yeah. It's 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 just the same a shame that both Molina and Posey are you know in that in the same in the same league, and they are going to get that name recognition vote ahead of him uh, pretty much all the time. But Hedge is still young. There's still plenty of time for him, so we'll just have to be patient. Uh, AJ, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, enjoy your off season. Uh, we will be in contact uh, shortly. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. Take care, AJ. Thanks, guys. Well, there you go, folks. AJ Casavell, uh, MLB.com beat reporter for the Padres, giving us some uh, vital information on the team uh, this offseason. It's uh, been a little bit of a quiet offseason, but with the World Series in Game 2 presently, uh, you would have to reckon that uh, Padre baseball talk is about to heat up. Uh, AJ Preller is not one to be shy about making potential moves, so... We will have to see. Uh, AJ indicated uh, Brad Hand will be a hot commodity, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of rumors about Brad Hand to Chicago, Brad Hand to you know wherever. It, it'll uh, they will surface soon, and uh, we will be on top of it to keep you informed. Uh, Patrick, any thoughts about the discussions we had uh, with AJ? Yeah, it was definitely a fun season. A uh, lot to look forward to going forward. Um, a lot of things you hope improve, but there's definitely, I think across the board, it was a solid season and uh, definitely a positive development. Um, yeah, hoping for a busy off season. I think the, the Padres have some work to do, and I think there's going to be some moves that are going to have to be made, um, winter meetings and beyond. Yeah, it'll it'll be exciting time for for Padre baseball. Uh, the team is on an upswing in a progression mode. Uh, it's it's nice to see this team hopefully steadily, steadily improve the next couple of seasons and and be a relevant uh, relevant competitor in the National League uh, West and in the National League itself. So, it's, San Diego Padres are getting better. Uh, if you've been a Padre fan for as long as both of us, it's just a matter of being patient. And I, I know that patient is not a virtue for most Padre fans, but. In this case, the payoff will benefit us all. I couldn't say it better myself. So we are hosted on Podbean. You can uh, follow us on there. Always see our up-to-date new uh, posts. Uh, we're on Twitter. James is EBT underscore news, EBT underscore J. Clark. Our podcast is EBT podcast. Uh, I'm at Patrick Brewer 93. Uh, stay tuned. We're posting lots of content every day. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, we got our kind of player reviews looking at positives, negatives, and outlook going forward for each player on the 40-man roster, as well as uh, most of the top prospects. We'll be getting to those as, as the offseason goes on as well. Um, stay tuned for more content. Thank you, folks, for joining in. Uh, episode 68 with AJ Casavo is in the books. East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.